0: This is tailgate till May part of the believe podcast network. If you love college sports and you like to have a little action on the game, then this is the place for you because I'm your host, Stephen Gorgie, and I love both of those things too. I'm excited to be back for another episode, and this is going to be a little bit of a different episode. I'm coming to you on a Monday instead of a Sunday, so I'm not going to do what we usually do on Sundays, kind of diving back in to the weekend that was in college football. Not going to do those segments, not going to go through the whole top 10. Uh, Feels a little late for that, so this will be a little bit of a different episode. We'll take a little bit of a bigger picture look at things, and then tonight is the start of the college basketball season. So we'll take a bit of a look at that as well. But before we dive into everything, just a reminder, you can find me on social media, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all at the same handle, at Gorg on Sports. That is the best place to find any updated picks that i have uh, outside of this show great example this past weekend uh, i hit the first two legs of my money line parlay of the week and then i wanted to hedge it a little bit because the last leg was lsu to beat alabama outright lsu got up early scored scored early early touchdown went up seven nothing the odds on that game flipped live where it was alabama plus 134 uh so i ended up betting alabama at plus 134 as a bit of a hedge on that money line parlay and a good thing i did because alabama ultimately came back and won the game uh if i didn't hedge that a little bit i would have lost that i wouldn't have made anything on that money line parlay so that's a great place to follow me for any picks that I have. I post them all on Twitter. If there's anything that I add outside of this show, I post it there. So follow me at Gorg on sports. I'd also love to hear from you. I want you to be a part of the show. I want to know what you're thinking, what you're feeling. I want to hear about your big wins and your bad beats. I want to build a sports, college sports, gambling community here. Uh, So hit me up there, at Gorg on sports. Okay, let's get into this thing. Uh, Let's look back at week 10 in college football. And I got a couple thoughts that might sound kind of counter to each other at first, but I think they really do go hand in hand. And my first thought is, I think we are truly starting to see some separation at the top of this sport right now. But I also think, That this sport, the top of this sport, is close enough to the next tier that if you are without some of your top players, you are going to have a hard time. You can get got. So, to that first thought, I really do feel. Like Michigan, put all the sign-stealing stuff aside. Just kind of put that out of your head right now, and we'll see what happens with that. And if there is a punishment, if Harbaugh is suspended, whatever the case may be. But just look at what this team has done on the field through the first nine games of the year. And this team really seems to have separated from almost everybody else in the sport you guys know i am a big fan of bill connelly's sp plus rankings i think it's one of if not the best college football advanced analytics out there and michigan is the only team in the country right now that is in the top five on offense so the number five offense in the country and in the top five on defense the best defense in the country. Not only that, they are number five in special teams. So they are the only team in the country to be top five on offense and defense. And then of course, the only team in the country to be top five on offense, defense, and special teams. I don't see a flaw with this Michigan team right now. Now that doesn't mean they they can't be beat. That doesn't mean that there's not a style that can't beat them. But right now, I have not seen what Michigan's fatal flaw is. Maybe it's getting in a shootout. Maybe it's that. Maybe if they have to go up against a Washington-type team or an Oregon team that has an even better defense than Washington does and uh, equally as potent offense, maybe that's the kryptonite for Michigan, but I haven't seen that yet nobody that stepped on the field with Michigan this year has even been in the same ballpark as them. It hasn't even been close. Now, granted, they haven't played the best schedule this season, and really they're going to have a two-game schedule that comes down to the last three weeks of the season here with, at Penn State, their first real game of the season uh, coming up this weekend. And, you know, I say that, but Like, they've played the schedule. They could have scheduled better out of conference for sure, but they have played the Big Ten schedule put in front of them. This Rutgers team that Ohio State strolled with for over a half, Michigan dismantled them, 31-7. Michigan absolutely dismantled that team, and I know it was close for about a quarter or so in that game, but when you actually watch it when you dive deeper Michigan dismantled Rutgers in that game Michigan has dismantled everybody that they've played but we of course are going to find out a lot more about them in the next three weeks I think they are what we've seen so far they've played the schedule that was in front of them and they've dominated the schedule that has been put in front of them. I think Georgia is the other team that is right there on their level right now. Now, Georgia did not cover last week against Missouri, but Georgia did win against Missouri. And we got to remember, Georgia is doing all of this without Brock Bowers. They played that game without Brock Bowers. Outside of Marvin Harrison, perhaps the most terrifying receiving threat in the country now i know there's some folks that can can make a case uh for that that title as well but brock bowers is right up there with any of them and georgia uh, won that game they beat florida a couple weeks ago without brock bowers georgia is right there with michigan when it comes to those teams that are balanced on both sides of the ball, number six, offensively in SP plus number five, defensively in SP And that's why Michigan and Georgia are the top two right now in Bill Connolly's SP plus rankings. I think those two teams are really starting to separate themselves now. And the gambling odds reflect that as well, because they are, and they have been the two teams that are favored to win the national championship. Michigan, a slight favorite over Georgia, plus two thirty. And then you have Georgia at plus two fifty. And then I think there is a group of teams right behind them that are, are there but not quite on their level. Now again, could they win on any given day? Yes, but I don't think they are quite. Quite at the same level which includes a team like Florida State which brings me to my next point Florida State I think is one of these teams that is right there I think they are going to make the college ball playoff I think they are going to go undefeated I've been impressed by them throughout the season but they didn't have their top two receiving threats over this weekend when they played Pitt They didn't have Keon Coleman, a guy that every time I watch him, my mouth, my jaw is just on the floor because he does something incredible. And they didn't have their next best receiver, Johnny Wilson. And I think that really hurt them in this game. It was a tight one, at least throughout the first half uh, and and into the, the early second. This was a game that Florida State was struggling in. They were up 10-7 at halftime. They eventually pull away, win 24-7, but it wasn't pretty. Uh, you never really felt like they were going to lose the game, but it. they could have. They could have. If Pitt was a little bit of a better team, if Pitt had a little bit more in the tank, that's a game that they could have lost. Let's put it this way. If that's Louisville, I think they do lose that game. So... I think that just shows to that second point there. We're seeing separation at the top, but we're also seeing how much the loss of a player or two, especially a key player, can hurt you. We're also seeing, in the case of Texas, how much not being without a key player can hurt you and how much miscues, not executing at peak efficiency can hurt you. Texas is another team right there with Florida State that is balanced on both sides of the ball number 10 on offense and SP plus number eight on defense and they wa- they, they were dominating that game against Kansas State they held Kansas State to next to nothing on the ground I was tweeting about it uh, during the game but there was a large part of that game where Kansas State one of the most prolific running attacks in the country over the past couple seasons, ever since Chris Kleiman got there, was at two yards per carry. Texas was dominating in the trenches, just crushing them up front. Kansas state finishes the game at 1.5 yards per carry. They finished with 43 rushing yards. I looked at this earlier today over the past season and a half, since the start of the 2022 season, Kansas state's lowest rushing output was, uh, just over 130 yards, 130-something yards. I don't have the exact number off the top of my head, but I know it was in the 130s. That was their lowest rushing total over the past couple years until they played Texas this weekend. And Texas held them to under two yards per carry. Texas absolutely dominated that game, but... They were starting Malik Murphy, because Quinn Ewers is out at quarterback, and Malik Murphy made some mistakes. Kansas, or Texas, rather, made some mistakes, most notably turnovers. Turning the ball over and not converting in the red zone is something that hurt Texas yet again. That game ends up going to overtime, a game that Texas was absolutely dominating, both visually and on the scoreboard up 27 to seven at one point that game goes to overtime and texas's defense came up big in that overtime to stop kansas state kansas state goes for it on fourth fourth and goal from about the four with a chance to win the game texas comes comes up with a big stop but this is a game that there is no way texas should have lost this game should not have gone to overtime I I wrote this one off basically in the second quarter I, I thought this one was done and because Texas is, is without their starting quarterback and because they made some mistakes they had some miscues this game ends up going to overtime and they almost lose it so I think We're seeing there's a clear group of teams at the top of this sport right now. I think Michigan and Georgia are the top two, but I think teams like Florida State and Texas are right there. I think Oregon is right there. Uh, I think Alabama is maybe not in the top four right now, but they're certainly in the top eight, if you ask me. Washington? That defense is starting to scare me, but that offense is still really, really good. I I think there is separation at the top, but none of these teams is good enough that if they are missing a key player or if they are not executing up to their full ability, that they can't get beat on any given day. So that's kind of my big picture takeaway from week 10 in college football. We have a really big week 11. Again, the biggest thing is that we're gonna finally see Michigan play an opponent who could actually beat them. I don't have a lot of confidence that Penn State's going to beat them. Yeah, Penn State did exactly what I said they were going to do to Maryland because I watch that series every single year. I'm devastated every single year as a Maryland fan by what happens in that game. But you know what? If you are interested in betting Michigan, if you're like me and you think that Michigan really is far and away the best team in the country. It might have just been the best thing that possibly could have happened. If you're interested in betting Michigan this weekend, that lined open around six and a half. A solid on Sunday morning. I'm seeing a lot of four and a halves right now. I will be taking Michigan minus four and a half in this game. I think Michigan is worlds better than Penn State. And I'll talk more about that game later this week when we do our week 11 preview. But that could have been the best thing to happen if, if you are somebody like me who believes that Michigan is that good and you want to get some value on Michigan going against Penn State. Uh, that, that blowout win of Maryland, I, I think is making people think that Penn State's offense has turned a corner when I think that had a lot more to do with Maryland than it had to do with Penn State. Make no mistake, I will be on Michigan this weekend laying the four and a half at Happy Valley. We'll go into that one more later in the week. And then elsewhere in in the world of college football, one of the things that I think is really interesting from a betting perspective right now is that. Despite Washington's win over Oregon, the consensus is starting to become that Oregon is the favorite to win the Pac-12, that Oregon is the better team than Washington, that Oregon is the favorite among all the Pac-12 teams to make the college ball playoff. And I, when I say all, I really just mean Oregon and Washington at this point. On FanDuel, Oregon, minus 145 to win the Pac-12, Washington, plus 160. Oregon, even money to make the college football playoff Washington plus 175. Oregon, 10 to 1 to win the national title, Washington 12 to 1. in SP plus, Oregon now up to, I believe the number three team in SP+. I went away from my SP+ tab here, but I, I believe the number three team in the country, in SP+. Since that game, Oregon has clearly been the better team than Washington, and I think that's what everybody sees with their eyes. That's what the computers are saying, and that's what the odds are saying. I'm sorry, Oregon number four in the country in SP+, Ohio State number three, but Oregon number four, Washington number nine. It's pretty clear that Oregon is going to be the favorite In that that rematch in Vegas, if it happens. And I am just kicking myself for talking about that Oregon 30 to 1 bet to win the national title and not investing in it. Now, I did get in on Bo Nix at 30 to 1. I actually think it was Oregon 33 to 1, something like that. 30 to 1, 33 to 1. I got in on Bo Nix at plus 10 to 1 or at plus 30 to 1 to win the Heisman. And now he's at plus 200. So that was a good investment, but the investment, the, the another good investment would have been had I gone in on Oregon. Um, but Oregon really seems, by all accounts, like the favorite in the Pac-12, whether it's looking at the actual odds, looking at computer rankings, using the eye test, everybody seems like they are on Oregon. Can Washington get things back together? And I mean, I use that term loosely because they are still undefeated. They went out and they won a big game against USC. USC fires their defensive coordinator after the game or not after, yeah, fires their defensive coordinator in wake of that game, in the wake of that game. But it was, uh, you know, it's been a season-long problem for USC on the defensive side of the ball. And Michael Penix has another great game. The really impressive thing for Washington in that game was the 256 yards on the ground from Dylan Johnson. That was something I really hadn't seen from them is being able to rely on their rushing attack in that way. And I'm always talking about can you win left-handed? Can you win in a way that you don't normally win? And Washington running the ball to the tune of 256 yards from one player is not something they usually do. So that was encouraging to me. That was encouraging to me about Washington. But with Washington, we got to see if their defense can take a step up. I don't know if they can. I'm, I'm worried about them, I'm worried about that Oregon State game on the road, their second-to-last game of the year. Uh, but if you believe that Washington's offense is still better than Oregon's offense, if you believe there's some more improvement that the Washington defense can make, if you believe that that first win In Seattle, that it wasn't a fluke; that it was really because Washington is the better team. Then there's some value on Washington right now. I tend to believe that Washington was the better team on that day. I thought they were very evenly matched teams. I think having that game be played in Seattle was a huge advantage for Washington. And I think that Oregon has played better than Washington since then. So I'm not looking to invest in Washington anymore than I already have. I've already invested a lot in Washington over the course of the season. I have a Michael Pennock 16 to one ticket to win the Heisman. I have Washington to make the college ball playoff at, at plus 650. I have Washington to win the PAC 12 at plus 375. I got that in July and then I went back and I got more of it uh, later in the season because I was loving the way that they were playing. So I think I'm invested enough in Washington there's not really any value on Oregon at this point. So, you know, the time for that has kind of passed. But if you see something in Washington, now would be the time to invest in Washington again if you didn't get in on them earlier this year and you still like them because Oregon is seen as the, the favorite in this conference right now. Uh, I don't see it that way. I, I see it that way. I agree that Oregon should be the favorite. So I'm not looking to invest anymore in the Huskies right now. So those are some of my big picture thoughts on college football coming out of week 10. I want to talk some hoops because tonight is the start of the college basketball season. And I want to start with a big picture thought that doesn't kind of, that doesn't really even really relate to gambling. It's more just as a college basketball fan, a thought I have, and it's, you know, this start of this season is so lackluster in college basketball. It's November 6th. The, today is opening night. And let's see, I'm going to ESPN.com right now. And on the front page, I see an article about the NFL and the MVP race. I see some headlines involving the Cubs and their manager, some other baseball off-season news, manager news, uh, some Jim Harbaugh Connor Stallion's investigation stuff. Uh, That's the stuff I'm seeing right now on the front page of ESPN. I don't see a single thing about the start of the college basketball season. And okay, here we go. About halfway down the page, college hoops is back and the Billis index has landed. There we go. One through 68 men's college basketball rankings. But it took me about halfway down the page to find something. There's no buzz about this season right now. There's not a lot of excitement around the season right now. And I think a huge part of that is you look at the schedule tonight, and there's a lot of top 25 in action. But who are they playing? Purdue's playing Samford. UConn, defending national champions, playing Northern Arizona. Tennessee, the number nine team in the country, playing Tennessee Tech. Miami, playing NJIT. North Carolina's playing Radford. Villanova is playing American, Kansas, North Carolina Central, Houston, Louisiana, Monroe, Kentucky, New Mexico State. There are not a lot of big games on this docket. Duke playing Dartmouth, Arizona playing Morgan State. The biggest game of this night is number 21 USC playing Kansas State, and it's a game that's going to tip at 10 p.m. Eastern time in Las Vegas. No wonder there's no excitement about college basketball right now. Because you haven't heard of half of these teams, or if you've heard of them, you don't know anything about them, that these top teams are playing. There's not. There's no compelling matchups right now. And the Champions Classic is next week. But tonight, there are no compelling matchups outside of kansas state usc i think georgia plays oregon it's not a top 25 matchup it is at least two power five teams i think that's also in las vegas and it is but it's 4 30 eastern time in the afternoon can we not get a 7 p.m tip on espn for one of these games an 8 p.m tip a 9 p.m tip Like There is no excitement right now, and it's because they haven't given us any reason to be excited right now. There's no reason, if you're somebody whose life isn't college sports, if you're somebody who watches the NFL, watches the NBA, watches college football, you like baseball, you like hockey, you just are a sports fan in general, why in the world would you tune in to college basketball tonight. You've been given no reason to tune in or care about this. I've long had the idea that college basketball really needs to take advantage of that first Saturday after the college football championship weekend. You have that open date where really army navy is the only not really that is the only college football going on that's that weekend right after the conference championship weekend that is a huge opportunity for college basketball to take center stage i wouldn't mind at all if over the court if the way the college basketball season worked was we tipped it off at Feast Week, the week of Thanksgiving, with all those tournaments, because all those tournaments are great. They are entertaining. You get a lot of big matchups. And let's just tip it off then, because I don't see any value for the fans right now in these games over the next couple weeks. There's nothing drawing people in. There's nothing super intriguing for people until that Champions Classic next week. But those matchups, like that Champions Classic game, those two games... Are few and far between. And that's going to be great. But what else are we getting? What else are we getting until we get to Feast Week outside of that Champions Classic? A couple here and there, but there's nothing that is really making you tune in and watch. And, you know, furthermore, yeah, we're gonna get a Duke Michigan State game. That's gonna be a top five game, and it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be entertaining. I'll obviously watch it. If you're listening to this podcast, you'll watch it. But what does it really mean in the grand scheme of things? These non-conference games have such little meaning in the grand scheme of the college basketball season and that's why I get really frustrated come tournament time come selection time when you hear all these people saying well you got to you got to consider what the team is right now you got to you can't punish them for what they did in november and i couldn't agree with that any less we need to be making these november games more important not less important if we want people to tune in in november so if it was me, if I was running this sport, I would say, let's tip it off Thanksgiving week. Let's start with feast week with all these big tournaments. And then the weekend after the college of ball conference championship games, go and create a bunch of regional tournaments, go and copy some version of what they do in Philadelphia with the big five in Ohio. You can have a tournament with Cincinnati, Ohio state Dayton. It would be a great tournament. Xavier make regional tournaments where, especially in this day and age of conference realignment where regionality matters so little, let's restore some of that regionality to college basketball. that's part of what makes this whole thing so great that, it's part of the reason that we all got so invested in this is the that regionality, those rivalries, and everything that comes with it. So let's give people a reason to actually watch college basketball in November and December. Give them a reason to not wait until March to watch college basketball. And I think some regional matchups like that, and you can do it in a tournament form. I like doing it in a tournament form would be fantastic. That's what I would do. You can have that one in o, in Ohio. In Indiana they they do something like this. They have this crossroads classic where Notre Dame, Indiana, Purdue and Butler uh all play. Usually obviously Purdue and Indiana play in the Big 10 season. So it's usually like Butler versus Indiana, Notre Dame versus Purdue, and then the two Big 10 teams will play the other uh the other schools, they'll flop in the the next year. They'll do that. I like that. We need more things like that. We got to do more like that. Uh, in In here, in the DMV, there's no reason that Maryland, Georgetown, Virginia, you want to include Virginia Tech, shouldn't all be getting together and, and playing in the non-conference. We need more of that in college basketball. We need a reason for people to watch college basketball early in the year. And right now, we're we're just not being given that reason. So while we might not have the most exciting matchups in college basketball right now, the season is getting underway. And uh, there will be big-time matchups in conference play before we know it. That is one good thing that's going on. Conference play is starting earlier and earlier with some of these expanded uh, conferences and larger conference schedules. So I did put in one more futures bet today for the college basketball season. And on FanDuel, they have over-under regular season conference wins, which I think is an interesting bet. And one caught my eye. Ohio State's conference win total is 11.5. If you take the over on that, over 11 and a half conference wins for Ohio State, it's plus 180. and that's the bet I put in and I found that to be a very interesting one because the implied odds on that are 35 and a half percent that on a plus 180 bet. So I think the odds of Ohio State winning 12 or more regular season big Ten games, I'm sorry, it's plus 182, plus 182. So that's the 35.5%. I think they have a better chance, better than 35.5% chance of winning 12 or more conference games. This is a program that did not do well last year. They had a rough season last year, but since Chris Holtman has been there, they've been one of the most consistent programs in the Big Ten. Up until last season, they had made the NCAA tournament every year, that he had been there. Uh, I mean, even if you include the 2020 tournament that was canceled, they were going to make the tournament that year. They were number eight in Ken Palm when that season ended, when the season was canceled. But they had made the tournament every year. What Ohio State fans had been upset about was not getting to the second weekend. But you will look at their conference records over the course of Chris Holtman's time there. Uh, last year, they went five and fifteen. But outside of that, they have a couple 12 and eights, a 15 and three, an 11 and nine, and then 8 and 12 is their next worst record. So they have gone over that 11 win total quite a bit. They were not very good defensively last year. That's somewhere, That's an area they are going to have to improve a lot on. But I like I like this roster and what they have coming back. Yeah, they lost some guys. They lost Bryce Sensiball, no, notably, after a year. But I love their point guard, Bruce Thornton, who's coming back. They pick up some guys in the transfer portal. Uh, a couple guys who have Big Ten experience. Jamison Battle from Minnesota was a big pickup for them and then they bring in a really nice recruiting class once again with some highly rated guys three top 75 guys and I'm betting here on Chris Holtman to return to his consistent ways that's never been the problem for Chris Holtman is winning in the regular season it's always been about the tournament so I think that I think with those odds of plus 182 I really like that. For Ohio State. You also take a look at their schedule. And per Ken Palm, there's only four teams in the Big Ten in his preseason top 25. That's Purdue, Michigan State, Illinois, Wisconsin, and Maryland. Only one of those four teams, Wisconsin, appears twice on Ohio State's schedule. That means a lot of the lower-rated teams in the conference are the teams that Ohio State gets to play twice. So the the schedule is favorable. They have Minnesota twice. They have Penn State twice. And I think those will be the two bottom teams in the conference. Rutgers is projected down there, and you know Rutgers is never an easy game to play. Uh, but they are ranked as one of the the lower-rated teams in the conference per Ken Palm. To start the year, they get them twice. So I like how the schedule shakes out. Ken Palm projects them at 11 Big Ten wins. Bart Torvik projects them at 11 Big Ten wins. I think at plus 182 to, win a, uh, to go over 11.5 conference wins is a bet I really like. And one of the couple bets that I've put in uh, to start this college basketball season. So, as we get into the college basketball season, I will be tweeting out college basketball bets. I will be talking about them more in depth on this show, of course, as well. So, stay tuned to my Twitter at Gorgon Sports because you know, obviously with basketball, it's not like football. We got games coming every day and I, I bet college basketball almost every day. So if you want to see what I'm betting, even on a day where there's not a show, make sure you stay tuned to my social media, especially Twitter at Gorgon sports. And that's our show for today. Until next time, keep the girl hot and the cooler cold.